Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Visions of a Blind Woman. I am so happy you are here with me today, and I really appreciate your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, one question. Are you following me already on Spotify? Come on now. <laughs> oh my God. You know, things have been so busy around here. Let me tell you about a couple of things coming up that are keeping me like a little crazy. Okay. So the first thing is the National Federation of the Blind of Virginia is having its 65th annual state convention. That is happening November 2nd through the 5th in Williamsburg, Virginia. Yikes! Oh my God, it's just a week out. Well, a little more than a week. And I have so much to do still. Now, because I have to be involved in every little thing, I'm pulling my hair out. So one of the things that I'm doing is I run the auction. We have a big auction where people donate lots of cool stuff or tickets for dinners or, you know, whatever it is, artwork, quilts, clothing, devices, vases, wine glasses. I don't know. Anything, anything can be auctioned off. And this is like a big fundraiser for us. So of course I'm behind the scenes taking in all the donations and doing my little spreadsheet and all this kind of stuff. And I've got a wonderful team that's working on that. So, but that's one thing that keeps me up at night. <clears throat> okay. Then the biggest thing, a little bigger than that is this program that I'm putting together. Well, not me. I can't take credit. Um, I am the chair of the diversity, equity, and inclusion committee of the state affiliate for the NFBV Virginia. And we are putting together a program for the first night of the convention, Thursday night. Did I say yikes? Let me say yikes, because this is in colonial Williamsburg. So we're weaving in a little colonial theme to satisfy that, of course. I think we've got that covered. I found a lady and a fiddler that are going to teach us a circle dance and play some music of the times and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, whoo, that one's done. I hope. After that, we've put together this really cool program. Now, it's cool on paper. Now, I got to see how it turns out for real. It's a celebration of the generations of the NFB, kind of like passing the torch from the elders. And we have a lot of elders in the NFB and handing down the culture, the traditions, the values of our movement to our new generation to carry forward the spirit of this movement. And I think we have something really cool planned with that. So I'm going to close that up after that with a little song and dance of colonial times. Cross your fingers. I will let you know how it goes. Woo. I am hoping it turns out good. My name's all over it. Plus our DEI committee is all over it. So we'll see how it goes. All right. The other big thing that I've got going on right now, I am going to be a model it's called the Dose of Fashion Fashion Show this coming Sunday. I have never done any modeling before. And this 
event is really unique because it's put together by this foundation called Imperfectly Made Foundation. And we are co-hosting the Greater Alexandria Chapter of the National Federation of the Blind. So we've put in a lot of work in this, a lot of money, and a lot of volunteers like myself to walk the red carpet. Yeah, right. Okay, double yikes. I have never modeled before. I usually walk like a linebacker. Okay. So this is going to be very interesting. I was hoping to be able to wear my Crocs. I mean, those are the most comfortable shoes ever made, but they kind of stick to the red carpet and I can't do my little turn and shimmy. So I think I'm going to have to invest in a pair of like normal shoes. Oh Lord. Anyway, I will also let you know what happens with this. Please keep your fingers crossed that I don't make a fool of myself up there on the red carpet. Okay. And if there are any pictures or video, I will see if I can post them so y'all can laugh. <laughs> All right. So I apologize for my tardiness in releasing this podcast and getting a little behind. Ooh, I've been so crazy busy, but, uh, that's no excuse. No excuse. Breathe, Renee. Okay, I'm breathing. I want to share something with you that happened to me on one of my morning walks with MJ this last week. You know, a lot of times in our society today, we don't talk to people. We don't look at people. Well, I still do. I have always talked to people strangers. And I still do. And so MJ and I went out on our walk a little later than normal because it was cold in the morning. Actually, it was probably like 2.30ish when we finally got out there. School buses everywhere and, you know, kids galore. And I talked to everybody. I say good, good afternoon, good morning, hello, hi, with a big old cheesy smile. And sometimes the young people look at me strange, but a lot of times they say, you know, hi, how you doing or whatever. Sometimes they say nothing and keep moving like I'm strange. That day I was pulled over on the sidewalk with MJ and I looked back and there was this young man walking behind us, kind of with his head down, kind of hidden. I, as I usually do, I said, Hey, how you doing? He said nothing. And I didn't, well, I did think something of it. I, I thought, wow, you know, a fleeting thought was how unfortunate, you know, that people don't greet each other anymore in our own neighborhoods. Even if I'm an old lady and he's a young guy, probably in junior high school or whatever. And just as I was in the midst of that thought, I heard this voice and it said, Hey, you got a nice dog. <laughs> and it was that guy. It was that kid. And he looked back, he had passed me, but he looked back and he was still in stride and he was looking at me and he said, Hey, you got a nice dog. And I said, God, thank you. It was such a cool exchange. I know this is lost on some people, but I, you know, remember I'm like Peter Griffin. I get distracted with Walmart bags floating in the breeze. Remember that, okay? So it was a refreshing moment for me. Here I was thinking, ah, these kids today, they don't talk to you. They don't acknowledge, da, 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 whatever. And in the midst of that negativity in my brain, 
this guy took the time and the energy to turn around and say, hey, you got a nice dog. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. That was a, that made my day. That made my week. I even told honey about it. I was so proud of that young man and of myself. And we had a human exchange. I know I'm a big fat nerd, but I love it. I, I just think that's so cool. All right. So I do have a lot on my mind though, lately. And the prevalent thought these days, besides all that stuff that I just shared with you, is this. It kind of sucks when I become my own worst enemy, right? Some of you can relate to that. It kind of sucks when I become my own worst enemy. I have a multitude of examples that I could provide you to serve as evidence of that statement, but I won't take the time today to do that. But let me tell you this, last week I was honored to share a conversation with you that I had with two of my dearest friends, Christy Banta and Sharon Abeda of Two Girls in a Pod. They have a podcast. Yep. That discussion that we had and that I dropped uh, that episode last time, I hope that you have gotten a chance to listen to that. If you have not, you're in for a treat because it is totally, totally helpful and fun and wonderful. It was excellent to be able to share time with them. They talked about this crazy thing, having accountability and responsibility in our own lives. <laughs> accountability and responsibility in my own life, in my own relationship. Woo! That is huge. Really, really huge. Because to have accountability and responsibility in anything says that I have control, says that I am in control of my actions, my decisions, my words, my thoughts, I am in the driver's seat. Then they poured that mess all over my experience with blindness. <laughs> and if you heard that episode, you saw my reaction to that. I wasn't very happy. Yes, they did it. They did it. They had the audacity to suggest that I always had a choice as to how long I would sit on my couch fixated, I remind you, by those damned roots that grew into the cushions, keeping me attached there, listening to forensic files on the television. And then once Wolf Blitzer came on at 5 p.m., making my way to the refrigerator for that first glass of wine. To kill the pain of my depression, of my loss, but it doesn't matter. What they're saying is, I had control of how long I did that. <laughs> and here I am, 10 years later, saying proudly, by the way, 
that I am finally coming out of my fog. <laughs> now, I want to know, ladies, what the hell did you mean that I had a choice? How long it would take me to get through the muck of losing my eyesight? How can you say that? How can I say that to people who are out there? Len, who I've talked to you about, who is fearing and living in fear, running from the day that inevitably, inevitably will come when he, she will be totally blind. How can I tell Len, hey, Len, you know what? You have control over how long this thing's going to take. You can get off your ass at any time and move forward and get over it. <laughs> That's like when Dorothy, the Tin Man, the Lion, and the Scarecrow finally made it to Emerald City. After all that walking, 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 and after encountering those crazy flying evil monkey creatures and that damn witch who wanted to kill them. And then more walking, more walking, pretty flowers, pretty corn stalks. And then they learned that that wizard, they traveled so far to find wasn't even a wizard. He was an old man who got lost there when his big balloon crashed. And he just made himself a wizard. And the people around him made him a wizard because, well, like he was bigger than everybody else. And he was new and he was a stranger. And he looked like he should know some shit. Only after all that turmoil of wanting nothing else but to go home to Kansas to her family. Because you remember, Dorothy, I just want to go home. Uh, N-E-M, N-E-M. Well, after all that, Glinda, the good witch, finally let Dorothy know, my dear, you have always had the power to go home. Huh? What the hell are you talking about? And all Dorothy could say was, I have? <laughs> what? Dorothy, I'd have been pissed off. That's all you have to say? Now, why couldn't Glinda have told her that sooner? It could have saved Dorothy from all that pain. Annie M, Annie M, and all those tears. How many nights did Dorothy spend wondering if she would ever see her grandparents or her uncles again? Or her family farm? Damn, Glinda. She knew how badly Dorothy wanted to return home. And all that time, evil Glenda, the good witch. Yeah, right. All she had to do was share that little secret with Dorothy. Now close your eyes. Tap your heels together and say, There's no place like home. There's no place like home. And wave that little wand around her head and poof! She's home. <laughs> Wow. But according to Sharon and Christy, if Glenda had told Dorothy in the very beginning that she had the power to return home anytime, and if she would have told her that before all of the turmoil that Dorothy had to go through, hmm, some things 
might have turned out differently. One, there would not have been that beautiful tradition of the Wizard of Oz that we watch every year since 1959 on CBS, right? Like clockwork, get the popcorn, it's time. Two, Dorothy would have never made the lifelong friends she made in the Scarecrow, the Tin Man, and the Lion, right? Three, Toto would never have gotten that kind of a vacation before. Wow. Four, the Scarecrow would never have gotten a brain. Five, the Tin Man never would have gotten a heart. And six, the Lion would never have found courage. Courage. And lastly, Dorothy would never have understood the worth and the importance of those people in her life whom she thought she had lost forever. Wow. Because maybe Dorothy had to experience each moment of that journey and she was able to gain invaluable lessons from that. And you know what? It just occurred to me. When Dorothy was standing there with her eyes closed and tapping her heels together and repeating over and over, there's no place like home, there's no place like home, with Glenda waving her little wand around Dorothy's head, her return home was not just in the blink of an eye. No, no, no. It was actually returning in the way she had gotten there to the Emerald City in the first place. Kind of like going back through the storm that knocked her into that world way back when. Like the pain of coming through a crisis. No shortcuts. Like childbirth. No shortcuts. Or like passing from this world. No shortcuts. No shortcuts through any of it. That's what happens when we have turmoil in our own lives. I think about my own journey with losing my eyesight. At the onset of this thing, it was laden with fear and dread and confusion. What the hell is going on? Not understanding how this could be happening to me in the prime of my life, when my career was flying high and my world was moving in exciting ways. How does it happen that at the pinnacle of a life, everything can be lost? Everything can be lost. Wow. That sounds so dramatic, no? And yet, that is how it feels. It is over. It's done. Nothing more. Career gone. Life over. No tomorrow. Hmm. But was that really the pinnacle of my life? Really? Let's see. Where was I then? Oh, yeah. I was 48 years old. I was contracting with American Systems Incorporated, traveling, doing week-long leadership trainings with air marshals, TSA supervisors, Bureau of Prison supervisors, I was in airports and hotels and restaurants. Yep, pretty much very cool. 
<laughs> I loved every minute of it. I was enjoying every minute of that shit. I was in a relationship with a man who supported me every step of that way and was doing great things on his own. Yeah, I'll say life was pretty damn cool then. I am so grateful to say some of that stuff is gone now or different now, but I thank my lucky stars that that wonderful man stuck with me. I make it sound like because I lost my eyesight, he should have left me. And that's not what I mean to sound like. I mean to sound like when we have that kind of a loss in our own lives, as I have said before, that shit doesn't happen in a vacuum. And it has a tremendous and potentially devastating effect on our families, on those people who love us the most. And Scott was that person for me. And he had an experience of his own when I lost my eyesight. And I know that he had a difficult time dealing with it. And he still does. Because Scott is the kind of guy who wants to fix things for me. He wants to take care of me. He wants me not to feel any pain or, or any loss or any grief or discomfort. And I know that it just bothers the hell out of him that he can't fix this. And so I know that sometimes he would rather just deny it, just put it in a little box somewhere and hide it because he can't fix it. But he's always been there with me through this thing, trying to understand it the best he can. And he's come a long way <laughs> and he has a long way to go. I love you, my honey. And we will, we will. So life was cool then. And then the tornado hit and knocked my ass into the great land of Oz. <laughs> right out there, right out there in the Emerald City with Dorothy. And suddenly everything was different and strange and scary. And I had to find my way just like Dorothy. And like you may be doing right now, kind of a rebirth. And when I say that to you, like when Sharon and Christy said that to me, that you have accountability and responsibility, <laughs> and you can decide how long it takes you to get up from that couch and get back into the game, I can hear you saying, ah, shut up, Renee, drop dead. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Because that's exactly, exactly how I felt when that damn rah-rah mobility coach, Joanne, would come to pick me up for another lovely walk through Old Town Alexandria so I could learn how to use my damn white cane. Or an adventure on the subway. Ah, drop dead, Joanne. I don't want to do that today. Nobody wants to do that shit. <laughs> I get it. And I say to you now, do it anyway. Be pissed off, but do it anyway. Be angry if it helps you, but get your ass up off the couch, Len, or whomever is sitting there 
and grieving a loss that you have no control over. Okay, I know. I know, I know, I know it hurts. I know, especially if it's losing someone you love. There's no, don't rush yourself. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you can have control over some of this. You can take another step closer each day. You can open up those blinds, even if you can't see the sun coming through. And you can get moving. One more step, one more step. And then you can trust that the next step will be there, just like I had to. The world is not stopping to wait for you, Len, or anybody else who might be listening. Or me! The world's not stopping for you, Renee. Get off your doff. Make it happen. Make it happen. It is time. It is time to get up. Brush the grime of sadness and depression and self-pity off of myself. Oof, off my shoulders, off my panza, off of my legs, off the bottoms of my feet. And get back in life. Oof, it's hard. It's scary. You'd rather be sleeping. You'd rather be drinking. You'd rather be smoking. You'd rather be whatever. Have you ever done double dutch jump rope? I have. I remember when I was a teenager and I went to visit my dad in Denver and my stepsister, Trisha, had the neighborhood friends. They would all get together outside in the cul-de-sac where my dad lived and they would do double dutch jump rope. That's where you have two people turning two different ropes. One is going one way inward and the other is going inward in the opposite direction and they're, they're turning simultaneously. So you stand there while those ropes are turning, 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 and you have to jump in that crazy mess while they are turning, waiting. You watch it. You, you even, you can picture yourself, you're doing your hands and you're getting your body moving in the rhythm of the ropes and you're waiting and you're timing and you're watching for that perfect opening to get in and start jumping in time with those opposing ropes. That time is now. The ropes are turning and they're not going to slow down. You got to start jumping for heaven's sake. You got to start jumping. You got to just time it, time it, wait. The ropes are turning. You see the hole in the middle that you got to get into somehow without getting tripped up in those ropes. And you jump and you keep jumping and those ropes don't stop. They just keep turning. So get in there. You just have to get in there and start jumping. And yes, you might get whacked in the face a time or two. I have, but keep at it. After a while, you get good at that shit and it becomes effortless. And you can jump in and jump for a while and then jump out without messing up the ropes. Same with life. The same will happen when you get out there with your white cane. Learn how to use it. Go walking in Old Town Alexandria. Go walking at the subway station and take a subway from Lafont Plaza to Huntington. Just get out there and do it. You might crash into something despite the cane. Or... Your cane might get caught behind one of those bricks in the sidewalk and stab you in the liver, but keep doing it anyway. And after a while, it will become second nature, Renee. 
I'm talking to myself on this one. And you will feel strange leaving the house without your white cane. Haven't gotten there yet. But if I keep doing it anyway, I might keep doing it anyway. Even if I'm scared, I don't know of what. What's the worst that could happen? I get hit by a Mack truck? I won't feel it if it hits me the right way. What am I afraid of? What are you afraid of? Get in there. Start jumping. I know how to do double judge. Do you? Accountability and responsibility. Say it. Say it. Say it with me. Accountability and responsibility. I can take no credit for that one. That is totally Sharon and Christy, two girls in a pod. And they may be onto something. And I love them both for having the audacity to turn that shit right back on me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, ladies. I want you to know that I'm out here. I would love to hear from you. I know there are people you know who are experiencing some loss in their life right now. Be it the loss of their eyesight or their mobility or a loved one or a job or, or, or. And with loss come feelings of loneliness, isolation, despair. You don't have to be alone. I have got, I'm not bragging. I have got a network of thousands, literally thousands of people across the nation with the National Federation of the Blind. Doctors, lawyers, teachers, business owners, race car drivers, for God's sake. Really, I met him last year. Really? Email me and find out if I'm lying. I dare you. Renee F. Valdez at gmail.com. I need you to hang in there. I need you to draw back those blinds, even if you can't see the sunlight coming through. Even if you can't walk to the blinds, crawl or get a long stick and pull them back that way. Whatever you need to do, but pull back those down blinds and get back into it. If you are sitting on the sidelines, I'm here for you. Just reach out. Send me an email. I'll answer. And as always, hasta luego!